Hello and welcome to Idol Rumble, the official K-pop podcast at LobbyRumble.com, where we discuss weekly topics around all things K-pop. We are recording on June 7th, 2022. I'm Rob, Editor-in-Chief at Lobby Rumble, and I'm joined by content writer Ron and our first-time guest, Royce. Royce, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, some of your favorite groups, and how you first got into K-pop? Yeah, of course. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you guys for having me on here. This is my first time doing something like this, so this is pretty cool. Um, if I'm a little awkward, I'm sorry, but <laughs> um, but yeah, so my name is Royce. I'm from Sacramento. I'm a digital marketer by day and a dancer by night. So my favorite groups right now is BTS, TWICE. Um, I really uh, have been listening to Astro a lot recently. I also really like um, ITZY. Um, and most recently, I got into like Stray Kids like in the past like three weeks or so. But other than that, I also listen to a lot of like KRMB. I I listen to like Dean, Crush, J Park. I really like JB, Jenny. I think that's how you pronounce his name. But yeah, uh, so initially with K-pop, it's pretty interesting because um, I was first exposed to like the Korean culture back in like two thousand six. I went to visit my family in the Philippines, and I was just so confused because all of a sudden like. Everything was like K-pop. Everything was like they watch Korean dramas, <laughs> and I was like, "What just happened?" Like I was so confused, and that's kind of like how I was first exposed to it. But it was the lollipop music video, uh, with Twenty mm-hmm. One and Big Bang that first got me into like nice. K-pop. I just remember like seeing like all the colors, like everything. I was just like, "Wow, this is so cool and so different." Um, and so then I just got hooked from then on, and so yeah, that's my little history with that. Nice. Well, welcome, Royce, and hope yeah, you enjoy your time at the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So, Ron, how was your week? Uh, my week was, you know, the same. It's my usual week. One thing that has been taking up all my attention recently is Street Fighter Six. As you know, nice. I'm a huge fighting game fan. For those who don't know, Street Fighter Six trailer came out last week during Sony's uh, State of Play, and I got super hyped off of it. Like... Ever, ever since the trailer dropped, um, I've been just like reading a bunch of Street Fighter stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Like every day, <laughs> anytime I get on Twitter, <laughs> there's like always something new. And, you know, I'm I'm super excited. It got me playing the older games again. I mean, I still play five every once in a while, but right now I'm playing a lot of Street Fighter 3, Third Strike and Super Turbo 2 also. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that, like. The graphics look really good. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, that uh, Resident Evil engine, man, pulls out like <laughs> the most realist looking stuff to the point where it gets kind of weird looking. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, I don't think the general audience is as into that one dude as they want us to be. The the loop dude or whatever. Oh, yeah. At least they, they sort of like him. Yeah. played him down a little bit in the trailer because like, oh, check it out. We got this other dude who breakdances and also like. Ryu and Chun-Li and stuff but mm-hmm. I'm also excited too because I skipped almost all of Street Fighter 5 but hopefully this one comes back sort of gets me interested in Street Fighter again because I was super big on Street Fighter 4 and all those like iterations mm-hmm. uh, so that was Street Fighter 6 me personally uh, my mom wanted to go out to maybe get sushi so I looked up something and this restaurant that I've never heard of before popped up in my Yelp feed. It's called Toto Ramen and Sushi Bar in the fairest of fields. <laughs> I actually thought it was like brand new because I saw the pictures of it. I thought it was like super clean, but I think there's just a clean restaurant because I think they've been around since maybe the beginning of the year already because I saw some reviews since then. But it's pretty much like a ramen spot with some sushi too. I had my favorite black garlic ramen. This one was a little bit different from what I'm used to that I was sort of hoping that the broth was a little thicker. The noodles tasted pretty cool. Like they were really chewy and had um, sort of a fresh, freshly made kind of taste to it. But I do wish that maybe if I go again, if I could ask them to make them a little bit firmer because I'm a little bit on the firmer noodle side of things. Mm. It's pretty good. Uh, not the top uh, ramen place I've had in the Bay Area, but... I'm also slogging through Hotel Del Luna again that, like you said in last week's episode, that I'm in that sort of mid-season slum where they're just doing like the random storylines. But I'm sort of like trudging through because I do see that this is a highly rated drama. There's just like those mid-season storylines. I was just like, uh, but 
other than that, I'm also um, I'm still feeling um, shooting stars on Vicky that I sort of made it past those like sort of mid season things where it's sort of like they just wrapped up a big storyline just today on my lunch. That's sort of wrapping up. I'm on like episode 12 right now. Okay. And last thing for my section is Obi-Wan, the latest episode, episode three, chapter three. It's crazy that because it's not like a in the movie theaters kind of thing that it is a little bit grittier, like sort of has that prestige TV kind of feel that they make Star Wars look look like it was made for adults. This series that um, not in terms of like, oh, they're like doing like adult things, but in terms of like. (laughs) violence it's crazy like just the way that they uh straight up murder people on screen i'm just like whoa this is on disney plus and it's star wars that (laughs) it's pretty cool yeah i guess i didn't think about that like it didn't because i guess like in my head like just seeing it like because i think when you say that it's on disney plus it's kind of like oh it is on disney plus and the fact that they Mm -hmm. did that i was like okay that like blows my mind now (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean also Aside from that, that um, it's cool that they also put uh, Snowdrop on Disney Plus, like maybe oh, yeah. their first, I guess, global wide K drama. But the thing about that on the episode that I'm on, uh, there's this scene where they're just like shooting up this like school. I mean, it's such a what? Like, <laughs> it's crazy because like, unfortunately, it, it is sort of like such a image that is unfortunately with the times, but. It's just because it's a period piece like in the Cold War that they're just going crazy, like shooting up this girl's school. It's just like this is on Disney Plus right now. So that's crazy. Yeah, I still have, I still have yet to watch the show. But um, yeah, I guess that kind of reminds me of like um, when Netflix kind of like made that um, announcement with Stranger Things just as kind of like a warning because mm-hmm. of like, you know, with things that are happening now. But that's crazy to think that that's on Disney Plus. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like putting it out there, like yeah, we're just not here for like families. We're here, we got stuff for everybody, kind of thing. So that was Toto Ramen and Sushi Bar slogging through Hotel Del Luna and Obi Wan Kenobi. And now it's time for new releases. In this section, we highlight and talk about some of our favorite releases from the previous week. What do we have on the list this time? All right, so last week was kind of slow, but we got some good hits. So on May thirtieth, we had Bigtin with Stupid O'Clock. From their seventh mini album, Chaos. Then on June 2nd, Joe Yudi comes out with Love Shish from her first mini album, Opus 22 by Waltz in Major. Then on June 5th, Kim Taehwan comes out with Snail, which is his fourth digital single. And then on June 6th, Song Dong-un of Highlight comes out with Today's Weather from his second mini album, Happy Birthday. And he released it on his actual birthday where he turns 31 international age. Happy birthday! Woo! Roy, since it's your first time on the show, what would you pick from 2022 so far as your favorite? I guess as of most recent, um, I guess going back like three weeks ago, um, I really liked um, Astro's new album, and specifically um, their single Candy Sugar Pop. Um, nice. Yeah, I really like... Um, I think the thing with Astro that, I, that really appeals to me I guess specifically with them is that they they're sort of like always kind of like feel good music and sometimes I really just like to listen to them when I'm like feeling stressed and I don't know but I really like the pop like um, it's very catchy um, for a past few days I kept trying to figure out I couldn't put my finger on it or what it sounds like to me but I realized what song it sounds like to me is um Levitating by Dua Lipa I think specifically there's uh-huh. this like part where it goes wow 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 in the background and that's what it reminds mm. me of but that's what mm. i realized that like oh that's why it sounds familiar to me but yeah so that's my pick for this past month i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh if you didn't hear the show before like this was my pick for that week it came out and yeah it does it does have that like pop and catchy uh feel to it and also like their song before that like the after midnight has like sort of the same feel too ron among this week's new releases which would you pick as your favorite I think I would pick Bigtin's Stupid O'Clock. Um, I thought it was a really cool song. I like the groovy bass line. And I also like the guy's falsetto during the chorus. I thought it sounded great. And the song just felt very smooth overall. Um, but I do have to say, like, um, I kind of felt like the music video didn't, didn't really match the song. Because mm-hmm. I felt like the song was very smooth. Um, 
the but music the video music was like video super was dark, like <laughs> dark and grungy. And I was like, ah, mm-hmm. this is, I feel like it doesn't match, but I could kind of see it kind of like, um, Michael Jackson's, uh, smooth criminal, you know, Ooh. that's a smooth song, but then that video, the music video for that was kind of dark, but, but not really, but I don't know, but it, overall it's still a good song. I liked it. Yeah. I like that song too. Like, um, usually whenever like I hear like music, I think I, sometimes I think about like dancing to it you know i feel like just just as a dancer mm-hmm. i would just imagine like you know i felt like it had like really like cool beats and you know like how you mentioned kind of very like smooth um i haven't seen the the video but i'll definitely have to like look at it now oh are you also one of those like uh trick last week that doesn't watch the videos first where you listen to the song first uh it depends honestly it kind of depends like especially with like my spotify um because mm-hmm. what i start doing now is like i'll just put like the recommendation like you know like spotify has a lot of like mixes and so sometimes that's how i'll discover a song and then i go uh-huh. back into and like watch the um like the videos and stuff like kind of going back to astro um i listened to them like a couple years back and when i saw cha on Wu on um what's that show true beauty i had no mm-hmm. idea he was on astro because i never had a picture in my head <laughs> what astro looked like and so it wasn't until i saw him i was like that's when i started watching like their videos and stuff so it kind of depends it depends nice yeah because at least for me um not not getting too too in depth with this but sort of like k-pop the visual is part of the experience so i, I want to sort of like go into it like i go into like marvel movies and not spoil it and mm-hmm. have like the full experience from the from the get-go even though like like you said like even if you are listening via like a radio station or whatever on your music streaming service then i guess there's not really a way for you to discover it any other way other than i guess youtube recommendations and it's interesting because um um i guess i could say the same thing with um with bts i saw their i remember the first video that i ever saw from them was dna um Mm -hmm. and i just watched it but i just remember like during that time it was like overwhelming so I couldn't really like get into it, but then the music came first, and so it kind of just depends on like I guess like the group like how I get into them. Um, same thing with um, Stray Kids. I remember I saw the music video of Thunderous, and I was like, "There's a lot going on," but then they would play on my Spotify, and I'm like, "Okay, I like this group," and I would look at my phone and be like, "Oh, it's Stray Kids," so I guess I do like them. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, at least it's, you didn't start off with that other BTS song that they released uh, shortly after DNA. What's, what's that song? The one where they're like in Hanbok? Oh, Idol? Yeah, at least you didn't start with that because that one was like a crazy music video too. Well, so what's funny was that my friend, he, we, uh, I stayed up. That was like my first comeback, I guess you could say, as a BTS army. And I stayed up till like three in the morning. And he ended up staying up with me just to like see it. But mm-hmm. that was his first like idea of like k-pop and just everything and he was just like mind blown he's like oh my god what is this (laughs) (laughs) so that was his introduction to k-pop nice uh but going back to victon uh i liked it too um like you said it, it did have like that nice uh grooviness and chillness to it that if you didn't pick it wrong i would i would have picked it for this week um also it's cool just um sort of like Looking and supporting um, IST Entertainment Family. You guys would have thought I would have went with Joe jo Yuri uh, with Love Shu, but I had to go with another one because actually uh, the title track didn't really hit those bases for me that I usually find in in uh, music that I like to listen to because it sort of had that sort of like cheery pop kind of a feel to it that when I was listening to her album, actually, I think maybe my favorite track is actually the intro track, which is uh, called Round and Around. It's got that sort of like chillness to it, but it's got that sort of like hip hop beat to it. But my actual pick for the week is Sun Dung Woon, uh, Today's Weather. I just like all of the vibes that comes out of this, uh, starting with that intro guitar solo. Uh, it sort of has this sort of like summer relaxing vibe to it. And the music video is uh, filmed to match. It's just him just cruising around L.A., but it does sort of give me that OST feel to it that it feels like it could be an OST to a drama or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And also just supporting the A-Pink homies, too, because if you didn't know, uh, they were actually label mates when they're still back in Cube Entertainment. 
So that was Astro's Candy Sugar Pop, Victon's Stupid O'Clock, and Sun Dung's Today's Weather. In the news segment, we'll share our picks for what happened in K-pop for the week. So Royce, what did you bring for news this week? Yeah, so for this week, um, I chose uh, TXT, BTS, Stray Kids, Blackpink, and Twice sweeping the top spots on Billboard's world album charts. I think for me, this stood out just because... Um, I thought it was really cool to see K-pop acts dominating the charts. I think recently it's becoming more clear that a lot of people are listening to more K-pop, you know, compared to how, you know, things were like 10 years ago. Um, It's funny because um, a lot of my students, they actually started taking dance classes specifically because of K-pop. A lot of my students actually that are, you know, surprisingly like, you know, non-Asian are actually listening to uh, K-pop. Uh, especially when they ask them like, uh, you know, like just kind of like introductory, like why they wanted to start dancing. And a lot of the answers would be like, oh, because, you know, they really like K-pop and they want to be able to, you know, do those um, same things. Um, and actually recently, like sometimes I'll be walking in the grocery store with my my um, BTS shirt and someone would be like, oh, I like your shirt, you know. Um, <laughs> so I think that's kind of like really cool to see like how k-pop is slowly you know becoming like more mainstream i guess like especially with like the u.s um uh, music industry just because it's very very hard to like you know i guess penetrate into that um and you know like compared to like 10 years ago when you know psy blew up a lot of people's idea of k-pop was you know psy but i think people are starting to realize that there's other you know things besides like you know that type of music so it's really cool to see that um and I guess kind of like segueing to um, with that news, um, specifically today, um, we just found out that J-Hope is going to be headlining at Lollipalooza and he would officially be the first Korean artist to be headlining like a music festival. Yeah, so especially with last month, you know, being, you know, highlighted with the AAPI, I thought it's really cool to kind of like see uh, an Asian act um, headlining such a big like um, you know music festival and I also saw TXT is also going to be performing so I think it's really cool to kind of like see that a little bit more I know like Blackpink also did um, Coachella back in 2019 um, and most recently I actually went to Coachella um, a, co- a month ago and that's when I first saw Espa um, nice. I, 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 I didn't, I've never heard of their music before. So that was my first time actually like really seeing them. And I thought it was pretty cool. Like being exposed to, you know, seeing other people being exposed to K-pop, you know, in that platform. So I thought it was really cool. Going back to your um, Coachella experience, how would you say the reception was to Espa when you were in the crowd? I think in the crowd, well, I don't know if it's going to be negative, but mm. that's fine. <laughs> a, a lot of the people including myself, we were kind of upset that we didn't get to see Utada Hikaru or CL. Uh, Um, I mean, even though it was really cool to see Espa, um, Mm -hmm. I think it was a little unfortunate that because we went the second week and, Mm -hmm. you know, we were hoping to see CL and maybe Mm -hmm. 21 because that was a big thing. And I think for me being a Gen 2 K-pop fan, like that's something that I would have loved to see that would have like fulfilled my, I guess like, my childhood dream, I guess, seeing 21 live. So it was a little mm-hmm. bit of a bummer because, you know, some people had mixed feelings like, oh, you know, these girls are cool. But at the same time, we wish we saw CL and 21. So I think that was like the feeling and the vibe that I got from, you know, at least the people that was like around me. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for being honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they were cool. I, I, I really like them. They're, um, they seem very um, likable. Yeah, and it's it's really cool uh, that the, uh, K-pop is sort of like coming up into the, like the mainstream. Uh, we've talked about this before, and uh, it's, it's just sort of like um, I guess you could say seals the deal that it is like an up and coming thing for a lot of people. That I think I'm not sure if I said this on the podcast before, but when BTS was initially coming to the states, uh, I was supposed to go, and then my mom even said like, oh. Let me go with you too, because also like my nieces, they wanted me to sort of uh, chaperone my nieces, but pretty much like my mom and their mom wanted to come out too to just check it out. But I mean, unfortunately, COVID happened, so that didn't happen in the end. But <laughs> it's just cool that like, my mom was open to uh, going to a K-pop concert. So that was K-pop sweeping the top spots on Billboard's World Albums chart. 
Ron, what did you bring for news this week? All right. So last week, BTS made headlines because they visited the U.S. to meet with President Biden to discuss anti-Asian discrimination and inclusion. So this meeting was close to the press. They didn't make like a huge speech like when they visited the U.N. a few years ago. Um, They did have a briefing, like a public briefing, only said a few words and just kind of left to go to the meeting. Um, But this is huge for K-pop. It's great that BTS is using their fame and their influence to have discussions like this with with world leaders. Like, so they had it with President Biden now, and then they went to the UN, and also they talked to the South Korean or the previous South Korean president. So it's great; it's bring awareness to these issues. And I read a tweet from a journalist that attended and who regularly attends, you know, White House briefings. They said that this is the most they've ever seen attention at a, a U.S. White House briefing. So that's great. Um, but, and I, I hope I don't get flamed for this. Uh, there's, I, I have like a slightly tiny, tiny, very, very, very tiny, um, issue with BTS kind of being the spokespeople for, for this at the White House, even though I think it's great and they're bringing a lot of attention to it where normally, no people won't care. But, um, I think the, and without getting too political here, I think the, issues Asian Americans face are a lot different than what Asians from Asia uh, face, like outside, unless they, you know, unless they come out here, um, then it's all the same. So it, I'm not saying BTS doesn't face these issues that, you know, you know, I, I grew up here, so I'm, I'm not saying they don't face any of the issues that I've uh, faced, but it's, I want to say it's slightly different. But nonetheless, I think, I think it's great that they're bringing awareness to the, to the public. And I kind of just wish that the White House and um, other journalists and news outlets brought attention to Asian, other like Asian Americans who are there at the summit also. But regardless of, you know, my feelings and, and all that, I still think BTS is doing a great job of pretty much being spokespeople for Asians because... They, they bring a lot of attention. So shout out to BTS. They're doing a great job. Yeah, I kind of had like the same like thought. Like I kind of had mixed feelings too. Like, and I'm a, I'm a huge like BTS army. Um, but I did kind of also like have that thought in my head. Like, you know, like maybe, it, you know, it's a little bit more appropriate to have like, you know, you know Asian Americans, you know, um, actually like, you know, being represented. Um, but mm-hmm. I did think it was pretty cool. Like, you know, and, you know, they do have a huge following. So I definitely understand that, you know, they want, you know, uh, people like them to be able to speak on it. So I think either way, I thought it was pretty cool. I did expect that, you know, people were going to have comments and that's that's normal. Um, mm. It's pretty common for people to just have comments about it. But that kind of just drives the whole entire point <laughs> of why they're talking about what they're talking yeah, about. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. But, you know, I did have that initial like thought as well, too. But I think at the end of the day, it's really cool to see like other Asian people in that, in that platform being able to speak on it. So, cause you know, that's definitely different from, you know, my upbringing. Like I never would have thought I'd see someone like myself, like in that, in that position. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Similar to your guys's opinions. I definitely had the same thing that, Oh, not technically Asian Americans, but it's good to have them out here as a spokesperson to sort of like, beam it into their uh, fan bases because their fan base touches a lot of people in the world. Mm -hmm. But um, just to sort of like round it out and sort of like bring a little bit of (laughs) of a little nonsense into it is that uh, when I saw this, it sort of reminded me of, if you guys remember this Dave Chappelle sketch when I think like maybe an earthquake happened or something and then... Mm -hmm. Uh, the actors were going around like, where is Ja? We need to hear what Ja has to say about this. He was talking <laughs> oh, about like yeah, yeah, yeah. Ja Rule. It's it sort of reminded me of that yeah. because like, I mean, it's not as like comical as that because like, what does Ja Rule have to do with like earthquakes or whatever? But having like celebrities speak on it because I know I had like sort of an argument on a K-pop Discord with some guys like, oh, as cool as this is, like why does it have to be BTS? And it's like, oh, because it has to they want to utilize their audience and then like, Oh, just get any other like 
Asian American, whoever out there. And then like my main argument was that I was like, they literally did that the whole month that they had Asian Americans speaking out. Like even if they weren't like celebrities, they were just like, uh, like Congress people and people in government, like speaking on him. And it's like, you had that all month, like you had it on the news and then it might not be as newsworthy, but they had it. So that was just my little argument with that guy on the whole issue. This definitely caused a lot more buzz, and but that's the whole that's the whole point is to get people's attention. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it worked. It worked definitely. So that was BTS visits the U.S. to meet with President Biden to discuss anti-Asian discrimination and inclusion. So for my news this week, unfortunately, we have another <laughs> sad news. Um. Uh, ISC Entertainment announces Jiyoon's departure from Weekly. Uh. On June 1st, 2022, ISC Entertainment posted on social media that Jiyoon would conclude her activities as a member of Weekly. They also went on to mention that Weekly will continue as a six-member group. Jiyoon previously went on hiatus twice due to symptoms of anxiety before the promotions of Play Game Holiday and before the promotions of Play Game Awake, the most recent one. Some facts about Jiyoon is that she was previously on the survival show Mix 9. She actually ended up in 44th place. Another fun fact about Jiyoon is that she produced, written, and arranged some of their songs. And some of these include Weekly Day, Reality, Boomchiki, My Earth, Weekly, and Lucky. Some songs that Weekly is known for is Tag Me, Zigzag, After School, Holiday Party, and most recently Venpara. If you guys want to read a little bit more on this topic, you could see my news story on LiveRumble.com. When you mentioned Weekly, they're actually one of the... Um, this, um, the song After School, I recognize that song because it's played a couple times on my Spotify. <laughs> but it's, one of the, it's another one of those artists or songs where it's like, I like this song, but I have no idea what they look like. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good to know. This this news makes me sad, man. Because <laughs> I really like we- Weekly. I mean, Monday's my my favorite member out of Weekly, but Jiyoon is like my second favorite member. So th- this makes me sad. But you know, I I hope you know she gets she gets better, and hopefully we see her in the future again. Yeah, because uh, they didn't outrightly say that she's leaving the company. I think maybe she might be still doing stuff for the company like maybe she'll be producing or something but definitely now i think it's for the best unfortunately if it's at the cost of her leaving the group but uh definitely putting yourself first and concentrating on your mental health is definitely what is needed uh like you said um she's actually my favorite member so this is a this was like a big dagger to me when i heard the news i i just want to see her uh be healthy in the end who cares what fans think about like, oh, my, we're losing a member or whatever, but just concentrating on your mental health is what's needed now these days because it's definitely a big topic that you see on the news all the time. But whatever she does in the future, us here at Idol Rumble and Live Rumble definitely wishes her the best of luck. So that was IC Entertainment announces June's departure from Weekly. In the spotlight section, we try to shine a light on something in K-pop, whether it be an artist, song, album, TV show, or the like. Royce, what would you like to spotlight this week? Yeah, so for this week, I want to spotlight. Um, we'll kind of segue into it. Um, so BTS is going to be having their Proof uh, album released this week on June 10th. And it's an anthology album. And so there's a lot of buzz right now with armies speculating that um, this might be their last album. They might go on, you know, one last tour before um, doing their military duty. Um, and so I guess I kind of just wanted to spotlight, um, not to get too much into like politics or, or anything, but just the thought of like, you know, should BTS be exempt from military duty? Um, and I might be wrong on this, but, you know, just doing brief research, like, you know, in the past, like, you know, people who are athletes, um, classical musicians or Olympians or in general, like people who enhance the country's cultural influence are usually exempt from the military just because, you know, they do so much for the country. Um, and, you know, with BTS bringing in billions to Korea's economy, um, it does pose a question as far as in like, you know, where does K-pop play into, you know, into those things? Because um, 
you know, obviously, like, K-pop isn't really viewed as, like, classical, like, music or anything. But, you know, it is, it does pose a huge question as far as in, like, you know, should they go or should they not go? And, like, you know, what's going to happen? And so that was, like, my, um, that's something I wanted to highlight on. Yeah, and this is a hard question to answer. And I'm, you know, I'm just going to preface this already, like, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not Korean, so it's not like I have a, a good say on this. I never served in the military military either so it's kind of have a answer for this question but i think having like these exemptions will kind of make it hard i I also think why it's it's taking a while for this to go through um you know the government because it's like how how do you quantify someone uh you know like bts or any other artist to qualify for this you know what i mean I guess you can pull numbers like, oh, they they make this much money. They have this many album sales or whatever. Um, but also it's like, what about all these other K-pop artists? Like these other boy groups, right? Where like they might not have the numbers to prove it, but they can also be a cultural influence, right? Um, and we have artists like that. Or not we, but, you know, K-pop has artists like that where... They're not pulling in BTS numbers, but they're still pretty prominent in K-pop and and in just like general uh, pop culture out there. So, um, but I I did hear, and then um, correct me if I'm wrong, that whether or not BTS is exempt, that BTS will serve and serve in the military regardless, right? Is that, is that um, yeah, that's correct. I think, right. um, and it's fun. It's interesting because you know. Um, when I went to their concert, you know, I was kind of like posing the question to like other people. Um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, um, it's a little bit mixed, you know, I, obviously the Amer the American fans, they don't want them to go. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want them to go, but <laughs> I was talking to a friend, you know, she's a huge fan, uh, but she, the thing is she's Korean American mm-hmm. and even for her, she feels that you know, as a Korean, like, you have to go. It almost kind of has a sense of, like, it kind of felt like Mulan. Like, you have to, like, mm. like on mm-hmm. the, there's, like, there's a sense of, like, honor. It's, like, kind of, like, bigger than, like, yourself kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like, you know, your generation is a family. Like, you know, all the men have gone, so there's no reason why you shouldn't go. So, mm. you know, I feel like if they don't go, they would receive a huge backlash from, you know, the actual, like, Koreans, you know, even though, like, I guess globally people would be happy. Um, I think just hearing that from my friend who is Korean American, it kind of like, you know, put that into perspective, like how important this is for them. Um, it's it's bigger than just, you know, like just going. Like it's a, it's almost like an honor kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, I feel like it is a little bit difficult just because, you know, um, technically in a sense that, like you mentioned, there is no way to really like, quantify those things versus like you know an olympian obviously they're going to the olympics so that's something that's you know that -hmm. qualifies within that realm kind of thing but with k-pop it's just kind of like it's all open and i feel like it would cause a huge like uproar if they started having you know uh exemptions for k-pop artists so i feel like that's going to be a little bit more difficult and i feel like it wouldn't happen in this time at the moment yeah i sort of I'm sort of in between uh, the two of you because, because like Ron said, I'm not Korean at all that I don't really have a say in like, oh, maybe they should go. But I think just with the history of it, it would be a bad look if they're just exempted. And also when it comes to exempt, if they were exempted, then where does that quanti- where does that boundary lie that if you are a K-pop artist and how do you know when you pass that boundary to be able to be in the same field as BTS and get the exemption to like, are people just going to try to go into K-pop like, Oh, can I not do the military service and try to do my best in K-pop to, and that's my sole reason of doing K-pop that it's just such a slippery slope in that kind of a thinking of it. But in terms of a fan, like I'm not a big BTS fan as compared to like maybe you guys, but in terms of for the fans that military service does sort of like kill the vibe a little bit or kill the momentum that either if even one or the whole group goes that it's sort of hard to rebound back to where you 
were before mm-hmm. you went. So mm-hmm. there's sort of that factor too that like, oh, like maybe when they if they do come back, if they weren't exempted, then it probably won't be the same, even though honestly, I think it, it might still be the same if just a little bit different. But maybe that's why Hybe is sort of like padding out uh, for the future and trying to like get the ball rolling on other groups. Because I think I think mm-hmm. even currently they're doing auditions for another boy group as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like with um, I might be wrong at this, but I feel like in the K-pop industry, I feel like two years is equivalent to like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> just because i feel K-pop like moves fast, yeah because yeah, k-pop moves really fast like there's always going to be another group like there's always going to be somebody there i feel like you know unlike you know here in america you know someone it's common for people to release an album and then you know disappear for like two or three years and it's like nothing happened but with k-pop it, it just keeps moving and you know two years i feel like in k-pop is like a long time i was having this conversation with um one of my friends because her son is a huge um, BTS fan and I was talking about how because I watched the Grammys and it was a little bit heartbreaking that you know be like even though I did think that um the, you know the award uh, you know with Doja Cat I felt like you know even though it was a good like you know um, they, it was deserving I just thought of how much of that award meant to BTS because this was potentially their last time possibly getting a Grammy with all seven of them because you know who knows when they're going to be able to do that again you know with the military service so and when i mentioned that to her she was like oh like this like you know weighed heavily on them but i don't think um normal people from who aren't really aware of like k-pop are in the know of that i feel like if a k-pop group were to go on a hiatus for two years and to come back to the same level of fame i feel like bt like out of any group i feel like bts would if not bigger because i feel like they can market it like they can like hype it up (laughs) you know what i mean like the big comeback yeah like this huge comeback i feel like they should just all go at the same time you know (laughs) just if they do i think that's what they would do yeah make it easier easier for us fans you know do the two years or whatever and then then ha- have Hybe just market the crap out of their comeback. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I, I feel like they'd they'd kill it. Like I, I'm not worried about BTS if they if they all go to the military, they'll come back. I feel like they'll come back bigger than ever. Yeah, even if on a fan side of things, um, a couple of groups with uh, boys that I follow, like it feels like no time at all. Uh, whenever they leave and come back, it's like oh, they're already back. It felt like. A few months and it's technically already been like two years so at least i wouldn't say like i i have like a group where they're like up there like near alt status for me that i would i would have noticed like oh two years is grueling but at least on my side of things that feels like oh okay they're back already so <laughs> so that was bts and should they be exempt from the military duty or not ron what do you want to spotlight this week so netflix confirms the second season of all of us are dead they made the announcement on their Swoon YouTube channel, um, which is a YouTube channel run by Netflix, which caters all their Korean drama-related content on there. And with the video, it had members of the season one cast making the announcement. And um, spoiler alert, um, if you haven't seen the the drama yet, um, go ahead and skip like maybe 20 seconds ahead because <laughs> um, I, I, I might say a little stuff, some stuff. But Yoon Chan-young, the actor that played... The, the main lead is also in the video. He's wearing a school uniform. Um, and if you know, if you've seen the, uh, if you've seen all of us are dead season one in one of the last episodes, he has a questionable ending. Let's just, <laughs> let's just say that. <laughs> so, um, just so just seeing him in the video kind of gives you a question of his involvement in there. So I'm very excited. I really liked all of us are dead. Um, I know I had a rant last week about, long dramas so this one is not long it's only like 10 episodes and um the writing is pretty good it's fast paced um each episode is an hour but doesn't doesn't feel like it so i recommend it if you haven't seen it already it's great and i'm excited for season two i'm actually surprised that you uh put it in such a high regards because i mean i liked it too but i wouldn't put this in the same category that i would just like chill on the couch and 
have a good night with it because it was just so dreadful <laughs> for most of the season. Oh yeah, it's not one of those dramas. It's like high intensity. <laughs> the yeah, whole could, thing. yeah, it's like hyper violent and just like every episode anyone is like on the chopping block, so to say, but yeah. Um I just hope it hope it doesn't turn out to be like one of those like sophomore slump kind of things similar to like I think I heard that because I, I didn't watch um Train to Busan until super recently, like within like the last year mm-hmm. that I heard that the sequel wasn't that good. So I didn't even entertain watching it. Yeah, But so. hopefully they don't. Same thing with like Squid Game season two. I, I just hope like these season twos off these like highly popular shows just doesn't like poop the bed and just yeah. like give us whatever. So it's like a money cash grab kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like I kind of worry about like, you know, how, like. I feel like with shows that are meant to have multiple seasons, like I feel like they're a little bit more like future proof because, you know, they're intended to have those things. But, you know, like, yeah, kind of like um, that's kind of like my my thoughts on um, Squid Game is that, you know, it, it wasn't intended to have a season two, but because it's in so popular demand, then, you know, it, also, it kind of puts like a lot of pressure now kind of thing mm-hmm. versus yeah. like, you know, a show that's intended to have multiple seasons. And when they see success, then it's kind of like, oh, OK, well, you know, we're going that route anyway. So, yeah, hopefully it doesn't like tank or anything. So that was Netflix confirms the second season of All of Us Are Dead for my spotlight this week. Once again, surprise, surprise. I'm talking about Queendom 2. This time I'm talking about episode 10, the live finale. This was a three hour special, which had all the trappings of a live special where it included a bunch of time at adding to that three hour time slot um, of allowing voting segments because it was a live vote and also a lot of faking everyone out of like announcing like, oh, is it? Oh, let's go to commercial kind of thing. Um, but everyone had video packages of their show preparations. It was pretty straightforward. Uh, this time everyone had their original songs, but the thing with survival show finales with this kind of a format, like similar to kingdom and the other previous seasons is that no matter what the group is, what you know them for, usually they present this like super epic theme as a last push to win. And they usually don't even perform it after the show. I think the only instance of that was maybe Idol performing Lion because that was uh, like they won with that song. So Hyolin had this sort of Egyptian theme. It was a powerful song. She had Youngji come in as a guest rapper. I liked her flow a lot. A big crazy thing was that she there are these scissor lifts that we're at the front of the main stage that like go up like maybe the side the almost like maybe second story high that uh Hyolin did this big old trust fall that everyone in the is just like freaking out which is pretty crazy uh wj said they had a song that was produced by Exe. um i'm not too keen on her production style but that's nice that she was able to um oversee that Another epic sounding song. Um, it was cool because they also had incorporated drones as choreography for like a light show kind of thing. Um, another problem with the song was that a big problem with the song is if you are sort of one to follow the distribution of lines in a song. This is a huge disparity in that that only usually the main singers had most most of the lines through the song. Kepler came out with another epic girl crush kind of a theme. My girls Youngun and Hikaru killed it. It was cool though because they were able to showcase a little bit different sides of them with uh, cool choreography. A big highlight was Chaeyun's high note at the end. I saw a fan cam of Taeyeon during this and she had this like big surprise reaction. Unfortunately though, a big Thing that came out of this is that she she was pretty much like passing out by the end of the song that I think she had to be taken to the hospital right away. VVG, they mix things up by sort of presenting a musical theater kind of song. Similar to what I was talking about with groups releasing super powerful songs is that is that their company and the 
video package, they wanted them to do similar songs like Wolf Gang and Lion in, in the past seasons that they wanted a similar song. But VVG, they presented to their managers that they wanted to do this unreleased song that they had uh, during their time in GFriend. This stage sort of had an Alice in Wonderland concept, uh, along with a song that's sort of reminiscent to musical theater and sort of La La Land with the dresses and everything. And it has this very catchy chorus. Luna brought it back to the powerful epic songs that the difference between this song and the other ones is that this was mostly a hip hop rap song. It sort of reminded me of like an NCT kind of a SM song. Uh, The weird thing is that it's pretty uncharacteristic of Luna that they're usually into the more electronic pop sound kind of things. One thing that stood out to me was that their pre-chorus sort of felt out of place that it sort of felt like and rounding up was Brave Girls with their song. They came with a summer kind of vibe theme. If you are a fan of Brave Girls, this is a very Brave Girls song and you'll definitely like this. But it was a pretty straightforward performance. Like they didn't have crazy sets or anything. And it it just felt like it was a comeback song that they would perform on a normal music show. Uh, Some things to point out was that the live edits were pretty awkward. Like, you know how they would go to live reaction shots from like members in other groups that they just weren't timed correctly that the (laughs) members that they would cut to would always like have this like awkward looking face that they'd always look at the monitor and just like, oh, they were recording me that whole time. With these kind of shows, they always had to end it or they always had to have like a collaboration song between the groups that they sent one member each to do this sort of ballad conjoint song for the end. And talking about the results, I was actually surprised that even with the top two groups that were announced, uh, the obvious front runner during the whole season was absent and that sort of speaks on the power of having a global audience and i don't want to really touch on who was in the top two but if you watch the show you'll sort of understand what i'm talking about you don't want to say who the winner was or i guess i could say it i could sort of like mention um a spoiler warning (laughs) skip ahead like maybe 40 seconds but uh going back to the top two the top two were wjsn and luna and like I said, the the front runner who was surprisingly absent from this lineup was Hyolin because she was killing it for the whole show that she was always in first place for the most part. But because I would think that WJSN and Luna have bigger global audience because this was open to a global vote was mm-hmm. that they skyrocketed during this last round and the winners were WJSN. So... They were sort of in the second place, third place kind of a thing. So WJSN, Luna, and Hyolin were the obvious front runners for most of the season. But uh, congrats to them. But yeah, like like I said, I wasn't too big of a fan of like almost any of the finale songs because, like I said, they do have this uncharacteristic for said group because they wanted to be as like appealing to a wider audience, even if it goes against what they usually sound like. So that was Queendom 2, episode 10, the live finale. To end the show, we'd like to leave you all with some recommendations that aren't necessarily K-pop. So Roy, since you're our guest, what would you like to recommend this week? Yeah, so what, this isn't really necessarily like a new drama or anything. I know it came out like um, late of last year, but I think one recent K-drama that I really enjoyed um, was King's Affection. It's a historical drama, which I know, like, some people um, may have a hard time, like, you know, watching historical dramas, you know, just because of, like, the time period or anything. But um, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed, like, you know, several uh, historical dramas. But I think specifically for this one, you know, I think it has a very, like, simple story plot, you know, kind of rather typical. But I think how they went about it, I thought it was kind of, you know, pretty cool. And I guess you could say, like, kind of, like, progressive and you know this isn't a spoiler but like the show is basically like you know about um these twins uh swapping places and the female leads uh pretends to be the king and you know obviously you know love happens falls in love with um the male lead but i think um what was interesting is um and this would be a spoiler alert you can skip to the next 20 seconds initially i thought 
you know, how the show was going to happen was, you know, the main character, which is Ruan, would find out she's a female and then falls in love with her. But it turns out that he just starts developing these feelings um, towards the king. And he even confesses in the in the in the in the drama that, you know, I don't care if you're a man like I have feelings for you. So that was really cool that, you know, they didn't play out to what I thought the trailer was, because in the trailer, it seemed very like, oh, you know, this is what's going to happen. But it's not how it went all at all. So I thought it was really cool to see like how much K you know K dramas nowadays are like is pushing the boundaries of what you know is expected. So I thought it was a really cool drama and just seeing how they went about it. Nice. And uh, where can we watch King's Affection? Um. Yeah. So this is on um Netflix. Nice. Yeah. And interestingly, like this is another one of those things where um I had no idea Ruan was on SF Nine. <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> kind of similar to with Astro like I've just always like you know I've either heard of you know the the group but never have a face to it which is kind of weird because like what Rob was mentioning that you know usually it's everything together packaged the visuals and the song but this was again one of those instances where it was opposite for me yeah I think uh when we were talking yesterday uh when we were setting up your audio I think did you bring up business proposal oh Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, about like the whole um how they had like a scene where the characters hooked up and usually like, you know, you wouldn't see a K-drama where people would hook up because that's like a no-no, maybe hold hands or kiss mm-hmm. on the cheek or something, but not just like straight up like, oh, they hooked up and be so like open about it. Yeah, but my main point uh that I want to bring up was did you know that uh the lead actress was actually a K-pop star? Is she really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Zhang, um, if you're familiar with the Produce 101 series, she was part of the first Produce 101 group, uh, IOI. And uh-huh. she, when that group disbanded, she went back to her company with her fellow co-worker, uh, Mina, who you may have also seen in other K-dramas, but they were part of Jellyfish's group, uh, Gugudan, but... Not too long ago, I think maybe within the last year or two, they uh, disbanded. I think mm. maybe even before their uh, seven years. But yeah, she was a, uh, or she's still a soloist, but she's, I think she's mostly working in uh, K dramas now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I had no idea. <laughs> I'm always kind of curious to know, like, because I know for me, I, I can imagine maybe some people would gravitate to a specific drama because their favorite, like, K pop idol mm-hmm. is on there. I'm kind of the opposite. I'll, watch a K-drama and be like, okay, I like this person and then find out they're an idol. Then I'm like, okay, then I start listening to their music. So I'm always curious to know like how that, like, you know, how other people like where, where they're, where they, where they're starting off point is like whether it's with a K-drama or if they know of like a certain idol on the drama. So yeah, I always had that thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully you don't go and watch uh, Imitation then because most of the cast is a K, is a K-pop idols. <laughs> So that was King's Affection on Netflix. Ron, what would you like to recommend this week? All right. So I know last week I had this whole rant about (laughs) Korean dramas being too slow and too long. So my recommendation this week is exactly that. (laughs) It's a slow, a really, really slow Korean drama. It is slow as molasses. But I got hooked. So it's called My Liberation Notes. It's on Netflix. Um, it just ended a couple weeks ago, um, but I'm I'm currently on the last episode. So I'm after this recording, I'm going to go ahead and watch the last <laughs> episode. But yeah, like I said, it's it's really slow. Each episode is like seventy minutes, <laughs> super long. You, you're really selling the show. <laughs> I know, I know. But what makes up for it is the dialogue. It has really good dialogue, really good acting. The cast's chemistry is on point. Because of that, like you you feel attached to the characters. And that's kind of why I stuck with it. Each character has their own problems. So basically, this, this drama is basically a slice of life drama, right? Um, there's four main characters. They're all going through individual um, things in their life. And what's cool about this is that they're just normal people. And they the characters are around my age. So they're kind of going through the same things that I'm going through and kind of the the same feelings that I have. So that's also another reason why I I like this drama. So yeah, that's what got me hooked in it. 
it got me going through every single episode, despite the slow pace and, and the long run time. But I really enjoyed it. And I'm going to watch the last episode. And um, apparently it's popular. It was popular in Korea. So um, one of the male leads in that in that show has just seen a, a jump in popularity. So like uh, a lot of people are like looking through his like old, old um I guess they're looking through his filmography and like posting like <laughs> clips of his old stuff on mm. on social media. So it, it's a good show. I, I recommend it, despite it being very long. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I think I saw that. I think I um set it on my watch list that I'll eventually get back to. But like you said, like I think I saw like some clips from it. It didn't look too enticing, but maybe I'll visit it after I catch up with a. Uh, my current drama that I'm super into, uh, Shooting Stars. Uh, one thing to add, too, is it's a good drama to kind of, like, put in the background, too. Cause be- because it's so slow, you- you're mm. not going to miss much if you're, like, <laughs> like let's say you're, like, cooking dinner or whatever and it's playing. Okay. So, I was just going to yeah. say because I usually like watching... Well, nowadays, I feel like I like watching my K-dramas during my lunch my lunchtime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was initially, I was like, maybe I should watch All of Us Are Dead, but I feel like that'd be too much on my lunch. Oh, yeah, you don't <laughs> want to watch that during your lunch. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I think um, my mom, I saw her, because I, whenever I get bored, I look at my mom's Netflix profile. I think she bounced off of, like, the first episode already. Yeah, you, the, the first, I will, I will say, like, the first three, they're, they're long. <laughs> I know I know I'm not selling it very well but like you just have to get through that part and then I think after that everything is is okay mm-hmm. so that was my liberation notes Korean drama on Netflix for my recommendation this week I wanted to go back to Rob's B-side corner and I'd like to highlight Dreamcatchers all day long this is like the one Dreamcatcher song that isn't rock it's got that sort of funk, jazz, pop, 80s vibe. It's got that slap bass, a brass backing section that supports the vocals, an electronic drum kit. I think I also hear an iwi in, in the instrumental. An iwi is like an electronic wind instrument. And it's got this super duper chill guitar solo in the bridge. I also like it because the rappers Dami and Gahyan blend in nicely um, singing even though they're usually rapping the songs if i had to describe this song it's a perfect song to go driving down the freeway at night with the street lights passing you by and this is definitely something that i want to he- have more in dreamcatcher's discography because maybe my f- this might be my favorite dreamcatcher song because it does hit those bases for me but if it if i had to pick a favorite title dreamcatcher song it might have to be Deja Vu. And if you're familiar with that, it's also got this sort of chill vibe throughout most of the song with a sort of like more epic rock vibe closer to the end. Nice. And you know what's funny is like that, that's like the only dream, <laughs> the only Dreamcatcher song I like. The, <laughs> the one that's outside of their typical um, mm-hmm. sound. But yeah, the, I, I like that one too. Yeah, I think they do have B side stages of it, but yeah. Um, I do like some of the uh, other songs, but this one is definitely in my wheelhouse. So that was Dreamcatchers All Day Long from their album Summer Holiday. To close out the show, do you guys have anything to promote? As usual, I like to promote our social media accounts. You can follow us pretty much everywhere at Idol Rumble. And if you guys want to chat with us about anything, whether that's K-pop, video games, TV movies, whatever, um, come visit us at our Discord server. And you can find our Discord server. We have a link in our in our bio. And um, if you like what you hear, please review uh, our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You can keep up with my work on LabRimble.com where I like to write about all things pop culture. If you want to follow my personal social media, which is pretty much all retweets of things I like and pictures of food, you can catch me at Rob Loves Pizza with a R0B. Royce, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That was it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun hearing your views on K-pop. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming. Music's brought to you by Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com. And that'll do it for this week's show. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Idol Rumble Podcast. Podcast. <laughs>